Business Lines Pulse podcast that tunes into all things health and pharmaceuticals. I'm Jyoti Datta. It is the Diwali weekend and everyone is in a celebratory mood. But there's also been some grim news this week. Just days ago, the International Diabetes Federation had released its latest report on the number of people living with diabetes worldwide. And that stands at 537 million adults, a staggering 16% more than the estimates of 2019. Breaking that down further, that is one in 10 adults worldwide, approximately 6.7 million adults are estimated to have died due to diabetes or its complications in 2021. So much so the IDF president, that's the International Diabetes Federation president, has called diabetes a pandemic of unprecedented magnitude. In all this, India is home to the second largest number of people with diabetes after China. But on a slightly different track, it's also the centenary or the hundred years of insulin. And here too, the IDF points out that one in two people with diabetes across the world who need insulin cannot access or afford it. To understand all this data and help navigate this situation that many homes in India are quite familiar with, we have renowned diabetologist Dr. V. Mohan, who besides being chairman of Dr. Mohan's Diabetes Specialty Center is also an author and many other things rolled into one. So thank you, doctor, for joining us. Thank you. Doc, the latest IDF report has shown an increase in the number of people living with diabetes. Now, specifically to India, what do you think are the key takeaways and what do we need to be focused on here? Thank you, uh, Jyoti. Uh, in fact, I have not seen the latest IDF atlas because I was told it will come out in, uh, sub- normally it comes out on November 14. So I was told that it will come out in the first week of December. That's what the president of the IDF told me. So I was expecting it in the first week, third or fourth of December when the IDF Congress takes place virtually this time. Right. But last time's atlas, the ninth atlas had India at second place with 77 million people. I expect not less than 80 million people in this atlas. Anyway, let's wait for the official figures to come. But it's not the just the numbers of people with diabetes which we are worried about. That itself is a, the magnitude of the problem itself is huge. But three things are of great worry as far as India is concerned. Number one, it used to be called as a rich man's disease or a rich woman's disease. Today, we know that it's no longer true. It moved to the middle classes some years ago. And today, in fact, the poorest of the poor have the highest prevalence of diabetes. In fact, obesity rates are also highest among the poorest people. Sounds a little ironical, but in the West, it was always like that because rich people know how to take care of themselves. They'll go to gyms, they'll walk, they're bigger conscious, they know about their weight, they know they can afford healthy foods, even fruits and vegetables are very expensive and uh, the poor man cannot afford it. So they begin to eat junk foods. They don't have time to exercise. So ultimately, it becomes a disease of the poor. And that's already happened in India. Through our own ICMR and DAB study, we have shown that. Second thing of worry is that it used to be a disease which is mainly confined to the cities. And in the villages, diabetes was almost unheard of because they had other problems. They had TB and they had malaria and they had dengue and they had typhoid and all the cholera and all other infectious diseases. But today, the rural areas have caught up very fast. And in fact, in some rural areas like in Kerala and in many other places, rural diabetes is actually now more than the urban areas. And the problem there is that in rural areas, we don't have specialized healthcare. 
for diabetes and so on, which is mostly confined. 75% of the doctors practice in urban areas, whereas 75% of the population lives in rural areas. So this complete mismatch makes it very difficult for a chronic disorder like diabetes where constant follow-up is needed. And third, and most importantly, diabetes was considered a disease of old age. So you get it after 60, 70, it's part of aging, you get gray hair and you get little diabetes. That is what it was. Then it moved into people who are 40, 30, 20s. Then it started affecting teenagers. And today we have children who are nine years old, eight years old, who are so obese that they have type 2 diabetes. And I'm not talking about type 1 diabetes, which affects children, and which we know. But type 1 diabetes is a relatively less common disorder. There's about one and a half lakh people with type 1 diabetes in India, adults, children, all put together, as compared to 80 million with type 2 uh, diabetes. So when this starts affecting children, it also it means that the epidemic has now moved into children and you have with it comes also hypertension, obesity, dyslipidemia, diabetes. So you can get even at very young age, in the 20s, people can start getting heart disease, blindness, kidney failure. So all this is quite worrying. And now with the COVID pandemic, new onset diabetes, we all know has been increasing markedly because of COVID itself, COVID affecting the pancreas, but also due to steroids given for COVID and many other reasons. We also saw this horrible disease, mucormycosis, during the second wave, which occurred almost 90 to 95% only in people with uncontrolled diabetes. So when you say diabetes, it goes beyond just glucose and so on. It involves so many other things. Absolutely. It's such a vast and sort of encompassing kind of situation but which is also extremely manageable, as doctors like yourself have constantly said. In the past, you have also mentioned this, the whole silent diabetes phenomenon that we know, where there are people without the knowledge, they've not been tested, they don't even know what they are living with diabetes. Is that still as high a number in India? Unfortunately, yes. In countries like the US and so on, 50% of diabetes was undiagnosed many years ago. Today, they have brought it down to less than 30%. That means if there are 100 people with diabetes in a place, 70 of them now know that they have it and only 30 uh, still remain undetected. Maybe 25% of them remain undetected in US and so on. In India, it's still around 45-50% of the population who don't know, which means that when I'm saying that there are 80 million people with diabetes, probably only 40 million know that they have it. The other 40 million are having the disorder, but they don't even know about it. When we go and test them, the sugar will be very high. And they'll say, oh, I don't have any symptoms. Probably the test is wrong. And then we repeat the test. It's correct only. They have got diabetes, but they don't know about it. That's why you rightly called it as the silent killer or the silent disease. So it is like a tiger or a lion. If I can give an example, a lion or a tiger, when it's going to attack its prey, it doesn't make a big noise and come, no? It'll come slowly and then suddenly it'll leap on its prey. Diabetes is like that. It can remain hidden in our body for a long time. Suddenly, like the tiger being let out, diabetes comes out and starts biting the various organs, the eyes, the kidneys, the heart, the feet, the nerves, and so many other places in the body, head to toe, everywhere, including the head and the toe, it can get affected. So that is what we are worried about because it's a vascular disorder. It's not just a metabolic disorder with the sugar being high. But also it affects the blood vessels, the small blood vessels, the big blood vessels, which get blocked due to diabetes. That's what leads to heart attacks, strokes, gangrene, kidney failure, blindness, and so on. So that is why I think we have to be very, very careful 
we should not be misled it's like many forms of cancer as well we have heard of many many cases where by the time they diagnose a cancer it is stage 4 and it has spread all over the body the metastasis has occurred everywhere and they say only 3 months left or 2 months left because it has affected the liver and affected the brain affected the bones and affected everywhere and only we, then we find out that the person has got cancer diabetes is not very dissimilar so sometimes i get patients who by the time they are diagnosed of diabetes their kidney is totally completely gone and they become blind in both eyes only then they are detecting that they have diabetes so that should not be so diabetes is very simple i mentioned cancer but cancer to detect it how many tests we need we need mammograms we need biopsies we need ct scan we need mris we need so many things so many specialists we need to get into action before we detect the cancer here a simple glucometer test can tell you whether you have diabetes or not so it's much simpler to detect diabetes and once detected to keep it under control so you mentioned that half the people don't know about it there is a rule of halves which says that half the people don't know about it of those the other half which knows about it half of them don't take any treatment at all they are in denial they say i don't have it i don't have it after detecting and telling them and of the other half which takes the treatment also half of them have not reached the target the hbnc target of 7% or they don't look after their blood pressure they don't go for checkups so ultimately you see only about 10% of the people are really under good control and less than quarter of the people in india have their diabetes parameters under control so this is why we face the huge burden due to complications it's not enough if we screen for diabetes we also have to have regular follow up and see that they come regularly to the clinic that's the only way we can prevent the complication but having said that as you said things are beginning to look up my first series of patients who have crossed 90 years and even 100 years of age and who have lived for 60 70 years with diabetes has already happened so we are beginning to see light at the end of the tunnel and those who are careful and look after themselves i would say a person with diabetes well controlled is even better than a person without uh, diabetes at all because they take care of the entire body absolutely absolutely i remember speaking to one of your patients i think who was on his 100th birthday or 99 correct so that's that's quite a huge silver lining to hold on to correct doc you mentioned the pandemic and you know the word comorbidities which is earlier limited to just doctors or maybe a scientific little community yeah. it's now you hear it being spoken about so often as the priority group that needs to get vaccinated yeah. now as children we are talking of children getting vaccinated maybe in some time how does one look at juvenile diabetes oh 100% they have to be prioritized because as you rightly mentioned this word comorbidity there a lot of words which uh, during the pandemic became very popular and you know immunity comorbidities all these people did not even think about all this earlier but now uh, so comorbidities in, in the top of the list of the comorbidities always comes diabetes then comes hypertension and heart disease and lung disease asthma and obesity these are all the comorbidities with which uh, if you get covid you don't do well so that being so when you have children a vaccination for children we should prioritize those with type 1 diabetes and see that they are first vaccinated because if they are vaccinated they are at much higher risk of developing complications of covid compared to other age matched non diabetic children and therefore already some of my type 1 children have taken it those who are above 18 have already taken it but now for the below 18s we'll have to wait for the permission to come from the government and i think they should first of all go and get 
themselves vaccinated because that is a big protection against things going wrong if you if they develop covid-19 i think that would be a great advisory for parents to listen in to on a different track doctor it's you know the 100th year of insulin so just wanted to understand from you how has the role of insulin changed from the you know the traditional form to the long acting ones that we have now and and so on i know it's a long it will be a long story but even just a snapshot <laughs> to understand yeah. how things have changed as you rightly said it is a 100th year of insulin when banting and best uh, mcleod and collip discovered insulin at the university of toronto and you will be interested to know that my next book is precisely on that it is about people with diabetes in india who have used insulin all their life and different different stories of different people and how insulin impacted their life but to cut a long story short initially we had only the crude animal insulins which used to create a lot of allergic reactions and stuff like that and plus the availability because you need you know millions and millions of pigs and cows to be slaughtered to get the insulin all that changed in 1980 81 when human insulin was discovered through synthetic dna technology recombinant dna technology so using that you can now make insulin synthetically which is the same as human insulin and therefore you no need animals at all so that was a big change there afterwards insulin molecule was altered so they altered it by giving changing one amino acid here and there and made it either ultra short acting or by making it gain some changes they making it very long acting so today you have insulins which are extremely short acting you take it and within 5 minutes it starts working and you also have insulin to work for 24 hours and all these are called as designer insulins or analog insulins of course they are more expensive because companies which make them spend a lot of money to to do this in the research billions of dollars therefore it does become expensive but uh, again to india's credit i must say that biocon has been in the forefront of this and they have made some of these analog designer insulins in india itself and much much cheaper and today they have been accepted by the us fda as well as europe japan everywhere and i'm very happy to say that our insulins made here are actually very popular now because of the cost factor they produce biosimilars so that has been another big advantage which has come because the better the insulin and the greater the advance the less affordable it is to the common person whereas here once the biosimilars come the price crashes and therefore they are able to see the get the benefit of that so today it is fair to say that in india at least insulins are available everywhere even if you go to a village insulins are available but the problem is you know there was an interesting heading in the new england journal which said 100 years of insulin very good for some it was written that means only for some people not only in india but all over the world if you take interior africa and some other places there's no insulin at all so if a child gets type 1 diabetes there the child will die because of lack of insulin so it's very unfortunate and i keep saying that if banting and best had been alive today and they just made a visit to the world again to see how their discovery is getting on on one side they have been very happy that so much of developments have occurred and there uh, you know they got the nobel prize the very next year and that was fully justified they will feel because the insulin has continued use has continued over 100 years many other discoveries made after that like penicillin or streptomycin or others have been replaced by other drugs but insulin has never been replaced so that way they'll be very happy but on the other hand they'll also be very unhappy so they'll say see when the banting he could have made a lot of money out of it but he said insulin is not for me it's for the world 
and he they sold their patent for one dollar to the University of Toronto, and he jokingly said that he, even that one dollar he never got. So he actually gave it away free and said it belongs to the world. But today, after hundred years, still every child with uh, diabetes, type one diabetes in the world, is not able to get insulin. So I think it's a and the WHO, as part of its uh, you know hundred year celebrations, produced a global compact. They called it, and I was part of that uh, meeting in uh, Geneva where we made that. And uh, what they said is that no child in the world should die due to lack of insulin. So insulin should be made available to every child. It's a fundamental right. So child has no insulin. Insulin is available. It should be made available. Child need not pay at all. So it should be made free. Uh, to everyone those who can pay can pay those who can't pay they should not die due to lack of insulin so i think that's the most important takeaway for me in the 100th year that if after 100 years and another 100 years comes children are still dying due to lack of insulin what have we done we have done nothing for them you know so i have been appealing left and right saying that make insulin a fundamental right make it available for anybody who needs it absolutely i don't think anybody would really disagree with that doctor there's so much that you said in that which uh, makes a lot of sense and i think we see all of that in the context of covid with products and vaccines and all of that maybe it's an opportunity for indian companies to you know sort of renew their role as the pharmaceutical uh, based or the pharmacy to the world in that sense yes so uh, perfectly agree with you there doctor one discussion we've had in the past is on you know reports of carcinogenic impurities found in certain medicines of used in diabetes i don't want to mention or create a yeah. fake here but yeah. just to understand how does if people were taking any of those drugs they may have read these reports or spoken to their doctors what what would you advise in in you know when you read a report like that so these contaminants ndma and all that are compounds which are used not only in anti diabetic drugs but in many other drugs ulcer treating drugs anti hypertensive drugs they are used as adjuvants i think they help to prolong the action of the drug and make it an extended release compound so with that in mind they do put in a number of adjuvants and so on but there is a ceiling put on what what adjuvant can be used the amount that can be used it's very clearly laid down by the fda now if you take any drug which has come including the one of the diabetic drugs which uh, came into that see out of the 200 they are all in generic form now so we have 200 companies 300 companies making it out of those 200 companies making it some four or five companies their production standards have not met the fda standards and therefore they include more of this particular contaminant and uh, initially there were drugs ranitidine was withdrawn then some bp tablets were withdrawn and then some batch some batches only not the drug itself there are some batches of metformin same thing uh, came in uh, you know the diabetic drug also but then to our credit again there were you know 10 20 indian companies which are selling metformin in the us and i think only one of those companies i think was pulled up by the fda the others all cleared it and in fact the some of the largest manufacturers of metformin in the world are from india in fact i think 40 50% of the entire metformin supplied by one company from india now in that company's thing the that level of the contaminant was almost zero there was nothing i've seen those uh, reports so i think again as you said it's a credit to the indian pharmaceutical industry that we have such stringent quality and we are able to meet us fda and we are able to meet all these parameters but for all companies this must be a lesson that when we are playing with the, we should not play with human lives and any manufacturing and all that should be of 
the highest standard and i think uh, people like fda are fully within their rights to protect human beings and this is one of the beauties of uh, you know the modern medicine that if any little thing can be audited and then if they find something like that immediately it's flashed and the company has to withdraw the product this is all part of pharmacovigilance so that is why i have faith in our system because good or bad whatever it is it will all come out there is no question whereas if you take some of the other uh, you know uh, alternative systems and all that uh, there is no such stringent quality measurement and suddenly we find there is arsenic in something and lead in something and nobody even bothers to you know look at it i would say that this should apply to any medicines why it should apply even to food because whatever goes into the body can be a poison if it is not treated properly and therefore whether it's food or medicine or over the counter or prescription medicine or whatever very stringent qualities should be maintained because i think that's a government's responsibility and these agencies responsibility to do that and if anything falling short of the standards is seen uh, they should be immediately barred and they should not be allowed to be sold at all that is my view doc looking ahead you know in terms of diabetes treatment now we are we are hearing the talk of stem cells even is that an exciting new area it is an exciting area but it's a, also a very challenging area so in treating some of the complications of diabetes for example there is an inoperable leg block and we are not able to operate on that because the vessels are all blocked including the small vessels are blocked now in such uh, places or a heart we are not able to transplant the heart because the person cannot withstand the heart surgery or a paralysis the spine there some damage and it's a person is paralyzed and confined to a wheelchair or something these are all situations where that particular stem cell for the nerve or for the heart or for the blood vessel or whatever is put in and that can generate from the stem cell generate new heart cells or new tissue cells or new nerve cells and so on and thereby the person is able to walk or get some more of the heart function improved or things like that so there have been some success stories but it's still a very early stage as far as diabetes and its cure is concerned there is a hope particularly for children with type 1 diabetes that through stem cells you can produce beta cells and then infuse those beta cells into children and therefore they have lot of insulin producing cells this work has been going on for last 10 15 years and every now and then we hear of some big breakthrough but then it is not translated into clinical practice because there are a lot of challenges what if after putting that stem cell inside that becomes a tumor and that starts producing excess insulin the child will die of hypoglycemia cannot control it cannot take it back also that is number one number two is what if it really turns into a tumor itself a cancer itself then what happens so these are all uh, what if it stops working after some time uh, so how long should they be done every year or only once in a lifetime or so these kind of and first of all do you have enough supply of this the human insulin was produced from bacteria where the the gene was introduced can we have some such breakthrough where unlimited amount of stem cells can come which are absolutely safe uh, and so on if that kind of thing happens then we'll start moving towards a cure uh, for diabetes otherwise the cure is a little far off because we don't have enough pancreases to go around because there are only one god gave us only one pancreas unlike the kidney where we have two liver also you can chop off half your liver and and be uh, done with it but uh, in the case of pancreas you have to get it from a dead body and you have to get it from three four dead bodies at the same time at least two or three uh, for one child 
So obviously that's not going to work. How many dead bodies and how many pancreas and who's going to take it out and what about the contamination of that and rejection of that and so there are unlimited uh, number of challenges. So as of now, in the case of type 2 diabetes, we talk of controlling it and making them live a long and healthy life. We are beginning to talk about reversal of type 2 diabetes where with profound weight loss, they can revert back to a non-diabetic situation. But they put on weight, it will come back again. I call it as re-reversal. In the case of type 1 diabetes, all we talk about is you take your insulin, have a healthy life and you can live for 60, 70. Last year, this year uh, in uh, July, uh, I introduced what's called as a Dr. V. Mohan gold medal for victory over uh, medal for victory over diabetes. And we identified people who lived for at least 60 or even more, 70 years with type 1 diabetes. They got as children and uh, all their life they've been in, uh, taking insulin. And we gave them this medal. It's a victory over diabetes medal. So I hope more and more people get this medal and many of them live up to 100 years. Uh, because taking insulin three, four times a day uh, throughout their life, they managed to live their entire life. Uh, so insulin is not having any side effects. So I think that is where we are with uh, regards to this. But hopefully in the next 5, 10, 20 years, things may change and we may have bigger breakthroughs. So that brings me to my last question, Doctor. We, we are having gadgets that are changing. Glucometers are becoming different. They, you know, they monitor your blood you know, dynamically, give the reports directly of the peaks and the troughs to the doctor, all of that. But as a final message uh, to people who either live with diabetes or have somebody in the family with diabetes, what would you advise in terms of food, nutrition, or exercise? You know, what is it that um, is paramount and actually lies in and the individual's own hands in that sense. Yeah. So two, three things. Number one, if you get diabetes, don't worry about it. First, find out which type of diabetes you have. If you unfortunately have type 1 diabetes, then it means right now it's insulin. But insulin is a treat, insulin is a friend and as a life savior rather than your enemy. And once you take the know-how to the nuances of adjustment of insulin, you can have a almost normal life despite insulin. If you have type 2 diabetes, it is, don't worry, because with diet, exercise, weight reduction, even reversal is possible. Even if reversal is not possible, we can guarantee that you can have a long and healthy life. I call it as ABCD mantra. A for A1C, which should be below 7%. B for blood pressure, which should be under control. C for cholesterol and LDL cholesterol. D for discipline, which includes diet, exercise, and so on. So once the ABCD and stress reduction, if uh, all this ABCD mantra is followed, People can live up to 100 years of age. And what more do you want? If you're able to live a full life despite diabetes, don't worry about it. Now, if you are from somebody from a family with diabetes um, and you have obesity and so on, you can try to prevent diabetes. So prevention of diabetes has been proven now that it can. it's possible to prevent diabetes. So if you're, let's say, 10, 15 kilos overweight, try to lose that weight and you can gain about 10, 20 years without diabetes. Instead of getting it at 20 and developing complicated and 40, if you get it at 50 or 60, then only after 80 plus only you will develop complications. Today, India's lifespan is only around 70. Uh, so we, no, we, I think that is a way to think about it. Think of everything in a positive way rather than, oh, I got diabetes, why me? And, you know, go through that grief cycle and never come out of it and keeping blaming somebody all the time. Don't do that. Keep your sugars under good control and aim to have a healthy, and of course, eat healthy food. You mentioned nutrition. We eat too much of carbohydrates. So we should cut down on whether it's rice or dosa or idli or chapati or whatever you're taking, puri or whatever. Cut down on the carbs. Take plenty of green leafy vegetables. Take enough protein, the vegetable protein preferred. Otherwise, some healthy non-veg thing like say fish or chicken or white of the egg. And cut down on the carbohydrate. 
If you're able to do this, I think your health is uh, assured and your diabetes is getting the control. Exercise is a must, 30 minutes to 45 minutes every day, depending on your capacity, your speed, your age, uh, you can do the exercise, but it's a must to do that. I think if these two are regularly followed and throw in a little bit of pranayama, deep breathing, meditation, that will also help you. Then I think you really don't have to worry about diabetes. Then diabetes is not a disease, it's only a disorder. A small disorder to which you can adjust your life. Uh, so you really don't have to worry about it. Number 14th is World Diabetes Day. So I wish you all a uh, happy World uh, Diabetes Day. And I wish that each one of you is able to live a long and healthy life despite diabetes.